0: From Roe to Chicago, diversions abound, but they can't keep me from going deep on the biggest gun law in decades. I'm Monica Perez, and this is today's Deep Dive. But before I get to that, I just couple of quick admin things. I am going to my mom's. I had the trip planned, and then she got sick. She had COVID, but she seems to be bouncing, so... Prayers have been answered. It wouldn't hurt if anybody out there who prays might throw a little Hail Mary in my mother's direction. I'm sure she would appreciate it and then we'll be assured that she will be 100%. So I'm really looking forward to seeing her. I'm going to post shows on the Prop Report feed Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 a.m. as always. But I will also put them commercial-free on the Deep Dives with Monica Perez feed, and I'm going to put some bonus shows on there too. So I don't want to junk up the the Prop Report feed with a lot of extra stuff, but Deep Dives with Monica Perez is going to have some bonus shows. And if I get, I forget what I called for, but I have almost 50 reviews over there. So if you would maybe throw me some five-star reviews, I would really appreciate it. And as soon as I get to 50, I'm going to put up, Chewing the Fat with Fat Mitch. It's a real treat. It's a a -a one-of-a-kind show so far, but who knows? There might be more if you guys like it, but that's all going to be at Deep Dives with Monica Perez, commercial-free, next week. And uh, here we go. Let's uh, let's get to our jumping-off point and read today's headline, Dick Durbin resumes gun control calls after Highland Park parade shooting. So 4th of July, there was a shooting in Chicago. I have a laundry list of weird things and agenda items and identity issues and every other thing that's coming out of that talking points. I am not going to allow myself to get derailed today because I had been wanting to talk about the new gun legislation that passed the Senate, passed Congress, was signed by Biden. A lot of Republicans signed on to it. And I just I feel like we've been diverted so often. The Roe thing came, uh, caused all sorts of ruckus. Right after that, I think they don't want us to talk about it. So that's why I'm going to talk about it. But first, I will just say Dick Durbin, who was this headline. He's a Democrat, so I would expect him to say gun control. Calls, you know, he calls for gun control because of the Highland Park shooting. But what bothers me about the Republican approach is they acknowledge that there's something you know very different about the world today. These things are organic. They justify policy changes, uh, but we're not going to do that. Or we have these kind of other ideas. I kind of touched on it when I did my "Everything But Laws" show that Republicans will not give you out-and-out gun bans. They will just usher in every single other rights-stealing law they can. And then ultimately, when you have no rights left, they probably will come in and take the guns. But I just, I cannot stand that. Because, now normally I would say, or my MO has been to say, look, you don't have to believe me that this stuff is either provoked or they are false flags or whatever. You don't have to agree with me on the facts of this case. As long as you're willing to just defend your rights, no matter what those glowing screens tell you and your family, if you're willing to just say, Hey, I don't know, but I know that these are my rights, then we're good. But this stuff is so intense, it's so emotional, it's never stopping that when the Republicans are like, Okay, this is a problem, my answer is don't even call it a problem. It's not a problem, it's an operation. They have been doing this kind of thing for a hundred years, a thousand years, two thousand years. I'm not sure people realize what <laughs> the expression "Nero fiddled while Rome burned" may not be about someone goofing off when there's business to attend to. It may be about the way f d r supposedly played solitaire while Pearl Harbor was bombed instead of calling the The guy on the ground there. I have this book called Backdoor to War. And it was very damning. It was a bunch of State Department memos that implied that those guys were just biding their time and letting it happen, even though they knew it was coming. So the Nero thing was like 46 AD or something. There was a big fire in Rome. Even if you look at Wikipedia right now, it will tell you the story and it will tell you that at the time, So what happened was that uh, a huge portion of Rome burned, a majority of Rome burned. And that's when, and it started in the Christian sector. So that's when Nero started the first Christian persecution laws because of this fire. And even now in Wikipedia, it addresses that, Looters and arsonists were reported to have spread the flames by throwing torches or acting in groups, hindering measures being made to halt or slow the progress of the flames. And some groups responsible for that said that they had orders to do so. And then finally, after the fire stopped burning after six days, it started, it reignited and started burning again and some witnesses claim that random fires started in houses that were burning far away from the flames. Can you believe it? Wikipedia is debunking that. <laughs> 2000 years later the reports were so long lasting that we can still read them today and Wikipedia's like, "Yeah, yeah, don't believe it." <laughs> they didn't name names. I mean, no one named names. Nobody. Your your New York Times doesn't name names. So this is as old as you know, the Reichstag fire was when Hitler said, oh yeah, the communists burned the equivalent of the parliament, we need to suspend civil liberties. And then we did it too with the Operation Gladio, the strategy of, strategy of tension in Italy when the, when the communists were coming up. Our CIA, I'm reading a book about it now, I mean, it's unbelievable. There were atrocities committed in the name of communists to discredit that the political movement by our CIA over in a foreign country. So to think that that, the idea of false flags to uh, to bring in unpopular policy right. is unheard of don't think that because it is absolutely heard of it's probably the norm rather than the exception and it's it's not reasonable to not consider it so I don't know how it how it emerges, but I do remember when real legislation was abandoned forever. It was when Cispa and SOPA were trying to usher in surveillance and censorship, I forget which was which, to the internet and It just was not happening. So now we get all the surveillance and the censorship, but it's because of terrorists, foreign terrorists, domestic terrorists, whatever. It's all this, what I call crisis government, crisis government. And then as it comes down in response to Buffalo and Uvalde, then they give us Roe and the Chicago thing so that we're still never actually focusing on the details of these laws, so and the and the last thing I'll say about like how I can't stand the treatment of it. The Republicans, the Democrats, are like this is a problem. We need policy. What nobody acknowledges is it's actually a terrible false flag, because or whatever. It's a terrible excuse for the policies because if all oh, if anybody was armed in there, they would have taken him down. And you hear that every once in a while. Some good Samaritan. I think Hurley in Colorado is an example of that. But you know, there's somebody in a church, I think, not too long ago did it. So these aren't the mass casualty events because somebody just takes them out right away. And yeah, they they report it and it's good for you know the right to kind of have some talking points, but they don't want to focus on the fact that they could not get away with these things if people were actually armed. Uh, so when I look at these policies... The headline for this one is, Senate Passes Most Sweeping Gun Bill in Decades. Vote was 65-33, and Mitch McConnell voted for it. When I look at these policies, I don't think about, here was an event, here's a response to the event, does it apply to the event well? I don't. The event was emerged because the policy, it's my basic assumption that the legislation is what prompted the shootings, you know, the desire for the legislation, the agenda prompted the shootings, not the other way around. So here are the three big things that were in the the Senate bill. There was a boyfriend loophole, which seemed to get a lot of press, but I found it to be the least meaty. It says that right now, if you are living with somebody who you've abused or you've abused their child, or you're living with a child. Like, if you live with somebody, you're a domestic abuser, you can't get a gun. This says if you're someone who engages in date violence, you can't get a gun. So that seems understandable, but my guess is that it gets pretty broad. And if they start having laws like misgendering someone is an act of violence, you know, does that come down there? Does it become, you know, what's the interpretation of that? Uh, But the other two ones were the ones that I thought were bigger deals. There's the, the red flag laws, which are being promoted by this. They're being funded by this. And states are being encouraged to adopt them. And that goes with some mental health money. And I'll talk about that in a second. But first, I want to talk about the enhanced background checks for younger buyers. So. Here's another example of like the Republicans, just like this is what I, I think of it. It's a very good example of how I think it works with Republicans and Democrats. Here's the headline The top GOP negotiator, Senator Cornyn, wants to include juvenile records in the background check system. Other senators involved in the talks want to go bigger. <laughs> so the, the battle is between big and bigger. <laughs> that's, that's, that's your rhinos for you. And then the Democrats also went and said, it started out with, they said they don't want anybody under 21 buying guns. And I don't think they wanted that at all. I think the compromise is exactly where everybody wanted it to be, because this is the real goal. The background check is a way, generally, in my opinion, and Eric Holder went hard on this, Obama went hard on this, that thing that happened in Connecticut in 2012 gave rise to a lot of laws like this. They want to get state data into federal data banks. And this is against the 1974 Privacy Act. That's why your social security number is not your driver's license number. But this is ways that it's getting in there. And the compromise position here was that if you are under 21, but you're an adult, so if you're 18, 19, or 20, and you're applying for a gun, they will bring in juvenile records into the NICS system and see if you... Have anything qualifying under the juvenile records that would keep you from getting a gun? There was really a great article in the NRA website today, or I think it was maybe recently, on why like that's a, a problem beyond what I think it is, which is bringing that in. And does it last forever? How you know it's not crystal clear to me how long if these things once they're in the database if they get expunged from the database, even if they say it does, I don't believe it does. I would not believe that. And uh, if you're a prohibited person, it's actually a felony to apply for a gun if you are a prohibited person. So are you sure you're a prohibited person? Isn't juvie supposed to be expunged? Are you then now convicted of a felony and forever barred from getting a gun? Very circular. There is a lot of circular stuff in there. It's not crystal clear how it works, not crystal clear to me. But the NRA article said that The reason it's really inappropriate to bring the juvie records in and that it would be the only right, the only time juvie records were allowed to be brought in as a matter of course, is that the juvenile system is very different from the criminal justice system. And because it does get expunged, because it has kind of extenuating circumstances, it isn't as rigorous. And as a as an individual in that system, you're not necessarily as savvy. You don't know how to use your rights. You don't necessarily have the resources. You're not even entitled to all of the rights that you would have in the adult criminal justice system. And if your offense was so egregious, some people are actually tried as adults in the system, and that would be in the background check already. So they object to the juvenile thing as a general Rule and I and I remember like, I think Obama won his state senate seat and maybe even his federal senate state seat by exposing the divorce records of his opponent. Maybe even in the primaries, like other Democrats could be, maybe one of each. And I think David Axelrod was the genius behind that. But you can write anything in a divorce accusation, and the lawyers tell you to write really egregious stuff. It's not adjudicated; it's nothing. They're supposed to be sealed records. And when they come out, people are used to thinking of things that are in writing like that as being true. And somehow, because it's a court document, it has some validity, but the standards are different. When the standards are different, it shouldn't be used to take away your rights. Actually, nothing should take away your rights without a jury trial. So uh, another thing that I thought was weird, just as an aside of something that flitted across my screen was the social security that social security will notify this database about mentally unfit social security recipients so that they're flagged in there? Isn't that weird? Now, is that person, if they apply for a gun, do they even know that? They're they're a prohibited person, right? And it's a felony for a prohibited person to apply for a gun. So anyway, but all right, so what's what is a prohibited person? You might want to know. This is in the law the federal law, people have been convicted in any court of a crime punishable by imprisonment for a term exceeding one year, someone who's a fugitive from justice, someone who is an unlawful user of or addicted to any controlled substance. Well, guess what? Marijuana is a controlled substance under the federal law. So anyone who's used marijuana, so if that's in your juvie record, that's it. You're a prohibited person. And who knows how long it will last. And if you're could persist so nobody using marijuana is allowed to apply for a gun even. Someone who's been adjudicated as a mental defective or who has been committed to a mental institution. Then I saw somewhere else it said if you had a 5150, which is that three day, I think it's a three day involuntary psychiatric hold twice in one year. So that does sound a little <laughs> a little dramatic. Uh, someone who's an illegal alien Get this one. Someone who's been discharged from the armed forces under dishonorable conditions. You know, Biden wanted to make people refuse the vax dishonorably discharged. That would have dishonored. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's why he did it. Can you believe that? Someone's renounced uh, his or her United States citizenship. Someone who's subject to a court order restraining uh, that person from harassing, stalking, or threatening an intimate partner or child of the intimate partner. Someone who's been convicted of a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence. So, and then I guess now it brings in the boyfriend thing. So it doesn't have to be an intimate partner or the child of an intimate partner. I guess that's what the boyfriend thing is pretty much. All right. But here was something that annoyed me too. Is that, okay, so what do you think the rate of false positives is, right? So if you apply and you fill out the paperwork and they push it through the system, if you check any of the boxes, they're not even going to push it through the system. You automatically disqualify, right? So presumably you're not checking any of the boxes that would make you a prohibited person by the time the guy's pushing it through the system. So if you get rejected, did you lie or were you mistaken? Right? I don't know. So... I was reading an article. I forget what the website was. I could probably figure it out. Oh, I think it was the FBI. Uh, It says the bill establishing this background check system, the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, spelled out 12 reasons why a person can be denied a gun purchase. Since the system launched in late 1998, NICS has put a stop to more than 1.7 million attempted gun transfers. Okay, so in 20 years there have been 1.7 million rejections. Now, John Lott, whom I love and who is scrupulous when it comes to statistics, thinking about statistics and doing statistical studies, he said that there are very few, I think he said prosecutions or convictions on people submitting applications that get rejected. So the applications that get rejected are applications where they find something that you did not write on them. That's a crime. So they don't like that. They don't want you to think of it that way. So the FBI said, it's a better way to think of it is how many percentage of denials are successfully appealed. Okay. So how many denials were there and what percentage of them was successfully appealed? Then this is the next sentence. Listen to this. According to FBI data, only 27,000 159 denied transactions out of the 61 million total transfers between 2012 and 2018 were overturned on appeal. So first of all, they give us a six year period instead of 20 and they compare it with the 61 million total gun transfers. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. And then, and then they literally say the upshot is that less than 1% of 1% of denied gun transfers are overturned because of false positives. That's ridiculous. It's definitely not true. They're saying it's actually, it's maybe 1% of 1% of total gun transfers, but not denied gun transfers. So I just did a little quick back of the envelope and taking that 27,000 and grossing it up for 20 years instead of six years, let's say it's just like a, you know, even amount. It would be 90,000 denials overturned on appeal. And if there were 1.7 million denials, that's over 5% of the denials are overturned on appeal. Now, I'm not saying that's a big number, but it's 500 times the number the FBI just said. I just hate bad statistics. Anyway, okay, so the red flag laws. This is worse (laughs) than... The background check stuff, maybe I don't know. They're they're both pretty bad. What they do, what really annoys me about this is that they give financial incentives to the states to enact red flag laws. That if they try to make this, if they try to make this a law in Congress, I think it would be overturned because there's no due process, really, and. There's no proof. You have no chance to defend yourself, generally speaking. I'm going to get into some of the details in a second. But because they don't want to actually make it a law, because they probably don't think it will stand up to scrutiny, they took $750 million in federal money and earmarked it for grants for the states to enact these laws. I mean, it's not Ukraine money, but it's a lot of money. And that's actually kind of funny, because the Ukraine money is putting a lot, a lot of deadly weaponry into Ukraine that they can't use, that's not appropriate for the theater of action, that can't be used against the Russians. They're selling it on the black market. It's all grafts, payola, or just I don't know what. And it's not accountable or transparent, so I can't really tell you what it is, but I can tell you it's meant to kill people. It's meant to kill people. So they're taking... Like fifty times the amount of money that they're telling states to put in these red flag laws and letting it loose in the in Europe to kill people so it's not about saving lives they don't care and it's just it's unbelievably i I, I wish the federal government did not have the right to tax <laughs> to spend or to enforce laws it actually does not have the right to enforce laws there there should be a a constitutional amendment for the Department of Justice for that to be legit. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we're not getting the Articles of Confederation back, but we could sure use that right now. Okay, so when they say we want you to enact red flag laws, always look to model legislation. They'll always have what's called model legislation. So they write the laws and they want the states to adopt them. And make them their own, but they tell them what to put in there. And I mean, even to the point where they craft the language, they put the section numbers in. So I looked at it, it was on some federal website and the model legislation, which I also put in the show notes. Okay. So the red flag laws are, it always starts with a law enforcement officer, but also could be other people, family member, household member, uh, friends, partners, healthcare providers, school officials, someone can bring an action, whatever, ask a judge to give them a warrant to take your guns away. And it can either be instant or you might have some process. And they do mention that some states want to put process in because they want to stand it up to scrutiny. But you know how I feel about process? It's not a process that I'm looking for, it's the process that I'm looking for. And that is a jury trial. So if you're going to take my life, liberty, or property, I want a jury trial. No such luck here. As Trump said, take the guns first and worry about the due process later. So it can last for a year. It can be renewed. If you want to interfere with it, if you want to get it rescinded, you have to prove to the same standard, I guess it says, but the standard's very vague, that you are not a threat, that you are not a danger. And the, so the standard is, they gave an example, Florida, significant danger of, and then elsewhere it said, of personal injury or death. And it said it requires proof, but it's not crystal clear on the proof. It seems to say that threats or behavior can constitute proof, but threats mean to me that somebody would have to just report the threat. Is that proof or is that testimony? I mean, because a credible threat, like an actual dangerous threat, is a crime. So you could actually arrest the person for that. And this is for people who aren't getting arrested, who haven't committed a crime. That's what's so outrageous about it. And once you are in this process, you cannot you stop pur- you can't purchase guns, and they can confiscate the guns that you already have in your possession. And the judge will often, if not always, give a search warrant. Someone's going to come into your house, you've done nothing wrong, you're a Second Amendment guy, and they're going to search your house and take your guns. And they're going to take your guns even if you're not the person. They're going to take all the guns out of the house. And then for you to get it back, you have to demonstrate that you can protect the gun from the person who you live with or whatever who's not allowed. I mean, it's really out of control. And I got to tell you, I was stopped from getting on planes for years, at least a year or two until somebody at the desk told me that somebody with my name is prohibited from flying, is on a no-fly list, and if I had another name I could travel under, I should probably opt for that. And I still had stuff in my maiden name, and I never changed it because I still use it. Because Monica Perez, I guess, is dangerous chick out there. But it was on my pro- thing, and they knew because it was a different birth date. And they're like, yeah, I know it's not you, but you're not getting on that plane. <laughs> I missed a few planes. Anyway, so that's the red flag law stuff. And then that goes hand in hand with eight. billion that they've allocated over a 10-year period, so around the same amount as the grants for the red flag laws. Half of it goes to grants and half of it seems to go to this mental health stuff. It says the money would be allocated for mental health services, including allowing more states to test community-based behavioral health centers with round-the-clock emergency psychiatric services, as well as I think another billion providing grant for school security and violence prevention programs. That's all about surveillance, all about surveillance. And they probably flag you. I wonder if that'll go into a juvie record, right? Am I wrong? But the mental health stuff, I absolutely, that is a big red flag to me because you know I see this mental health stuff bubbling up all over. And I honestly think that a major part of it is to get people on medication. I really think that there's some memo somewhere. I've never seen it. I haven't seen it yet, but I really feel like it exists somewhere in the annals of big pharma that we want every man, woman, and child in this country taking prescription medications every day, preferably ones they can't live without And I'm guessing it would be diabetes stuff, heart stuff, thyroid. I really think they're going after the thyroid because people have thyroid problems. All they have to do is take their medication. What else? Um, Trans people have to take medication for the rest of their lives. People who have organ transplants, I'm sure it's a fair trade. But uh, even, even antidepressants, you can't just stop taking that. You absolutely cannot. And I, I, now I'm beginning to think that it's a feature, not a bug. Like, hey, man, you can't. And then you, you're getting mentally ill people off the streets like they are in the New York subways, giving them these medication that can really make you suicidal or homicidal. Like, I'm not saying, actually, I think Prozac's one, more, one of the more innocuous ones, and that has terrible press, but absolutely no question about it. Rapid withdrawal from these things can absolutely, well-documented, really uh, be a dangerous situation. So I think that this is a terrible idea and will cause more problems. I don't trust the motives. And then at the same time, amazingly, the Supreme Court brings more stuff down in addition to the coach kneeling um, in a public school to pray after a game and Roe versus Wade being overturned unbelievably. They also came out with a... They struck down a law in New York about guns. And I just, I feel like what's happening with this conservative Supreme Court, it's really setting up the polarization in this country. And I feel like I've been thinking about it a lot. And I keep thinking, is it secession they want? Is it civil war? I, I think my money is on suppressing an insurrection to suspend civil rights, to crack down, to just not let that happen again, not let secession happen again, not let civil war happen again, really crack down. Just the January 6th style where like 50,000 people or however many people showed up, like they're all basically, you know, they would be considered rebels, insurrectionists. They would lose their rights. They'll probably be disenfranchised if you go back to the civil war era amendments. So the law that they struck down was a handgun licensing law that required New Yorkers who want to carry a handgun in public to show a special need to defend themselves. And Clarence Thomas he he wrote this it's the biggest gun rights legislation or Supreme Court decision in over a decade. He's it's uh, it is a far-reaching ruling where they made clear that the Second Amendment's guarantee of the right to keep and bear arms protects a broad right to carry a handgun outside the home for self-defense. And Thomas said that going forward, courts should uphold gun restrictions only if there is a tradition of such, such regulation in U.S. history, which is fair. You know, I think that's fair. It's kind of a um, contextualist. Is that what it would be? I, I like textualists. Uh, this original meaning, right? Original meaning, originalist. I think it should be the text, but I guess, I guess actually the originalist is the right way to look at it because it's a contract and the contract that they promised is the contract that, I mean, I don't consent to this contract, but if I'm bound by it, I want it to be the contract that was agreed to by my forebears, the people on my side. So there was, I guess, a two part test in lower courts that said, okay, first of all, would it be a second amendment violation? Yes. If so, Is it uh, fine-tuned enough to advance a significant public interest? And Thomas's answer to that was kind of confusing, Uh, but he did say the government would have to have the burden to show that the regulation is consistent with the historical understanding of the Second Amendment. And then he said that the desire to carry a gun for self-defense in public is squarely within the conduct protected by the Second Amendment It does not distinguish between gun rights in the home or in public places. And as a matter of fact, he said, the reference to the right to bear arms naturally refers to the right to carry a gun outside the home. Good one. (laughs) That's good. So uh, it says no other, he said no other constitutional right that an individual may exercise only after demonstrating to government officers some special need. That it's basically not a privilege, it's a right. Now, Kavanaugh comes in with licensing schemes. He says this does not preclude licensing schemes that include requirements such as background checks, firearms training, uh, mental health record check, and fingerprinting. And also, it's as old as the Constitution to restrict guns in certain sensitive places, but that cannot be a whole city. So that's pretty much it. That's the Supreme Court ruling, and those are the laws that came down. There's lots of fishy stuff about the story coming out of Chicago. If I think it's a good use of our time, I will get into that, but I'm out of time now, and I'm not sure, you know, I just don't like to give this stuff so much oxygen, But, you know, this stuff is not just about gun control. It's about all the things that are being passed under the everything-but banner and all that that implies. It's about surveillance. It's about overall control. It's about psychology. It's about psychological control and surveillance. It's about property and property rights. It's about food autonomy, water rights, and everything. Because if they come to kill your chickens or take your rain barrel away They're going to think twice if it's an armed society. And that's why I think that they let you keep your handguns, because then they can take you out pretty easily, but they don't don't like people to have the resistance-grade weaponry. So I'm, of course, always suspicious of it, but it's bigger than just gun control. It's about social control. And the world has seen nothing of tyranny until the United States citizen gives up his or her gun. Because... You know, the powers that be aren't going to let any one country go absolutely crazy, certainly not a country we identify with on tyrannizing their population. I mean, lockdown somehow it was just a psychological <laughs> process, but uh, at a certain point, they will level up on their tyranny and they won't show what they're capable of until they get U.S. guns because the U.S gun rights advocate will point to those examples and really garner more and more support if those examples become more and more egregious. So I think we have seen nothing yet and that our gun rights are the thin parchment line that are protecting the whole world from tyranny. Don't forget Ism Cant is meeting up with Proppers at the Robbie the Fire Show in Fayetteville, Georgia on Sunday, July 17th. And here's something fun. I will be, I think, I think I may be the keynote speaker at the LA County Libertarian Party Convention in Burbank on July 24th. So if you're around, I would love to see you there. It's not going to be huge. That's It's not a big thing. Angela McArdle, based... She is some kind of chick. Wow. Uh, She invited me and she's like, you can talk about whatever you want. I mean, she, she, I think she did a a FOIA request on the Libertarian Party. (laughs) Like, So this is a chick who is not going to muzzle me. So if you just, it's going to be a lot of Q&A. It's really going to be a discussion. It'll be super fun. So hopefully I'll see some of you there. And uh, I hope, yeah, I think you'll have another deep dive coming up before my vacation. And then I'll continue to post lots of stuff, both on the Prop Report Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings. And then on Deep Dives with Monica Perez, I'll I'll post a few bonus shows, all commercial free. So please subscribe there. And maybe even uh, click on some five stars. I'm Monica Perez. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it on social media or with someone you think would also enjoy it. And feel free to tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show.